talking about? That's, a, that's okay. Welcome to the One Player Podcast, the show on solitaire board games. I'm your host, Albert, and this is episode 303. The hills shall ring with the sounds of our conquering. <laughs> hey, Julius. Welcome back. Hello, Albert. How are you? I'm doing all right. Thank you. And and just, just so listeners are clear, it's not so much that the hills will be ringing, it's that we're talking about the hills ringing. No, the hills will ring. No, the game's about dialogue. Yeah, but the hills have to ring. They will, but we're going to talk about it first. So we're going to be talking today about Fort Northwood, a solo trick-taking game. Yeah, actually, it's called Fort Northwood, because it's got an exclamation at the end. It does, and it also, part of the title is a solo trick-taking game. That's true. It's not just for Northwood. No, you're right. It's for Northwood, a solo trick-taking game. Yes. And which is pretty darn cool because solo trick-taking games seem like an impossibility, but are actually, the few I've played are actually pretty good. I know. The, again, wait, the few that you played? I'm not familiar with another solo trick-taking game. Oh, there's a whole geek list of them. Is there? Interesting. Mm-hmm. Because before playing this one, yeah, I would have said that a solo trick-taking game is not possible. But apparently it is possible and it's pretty good but we are getting way ahead of ourselves (laughs) so okay so uh let's give a summary of today's game it's a trick-taking game for one player there we go yeah that's basically it you did it yeah (laughs) to give a little bit more than that it is a trick-taking game that is played over the course of eight rounds excuse me seven rounds no eight rounds over eight rounds it is played over eight rounds, and during the course of those eight rounds, um, you are dealing with your hand of cards, trying to play trick-taking from them as you go through the entirety of the deck, and you'll have to try and win as many of those rounds as you can. Each round, you'll have a choice about how many points the various round is, and your goal is to get a certain amount of points by the end of the game. Mm-hmm, yep, and this is, this is the kind of trick-taking game where you're predicting how many tricks you're going to win. There's a whole category of trick-taking games like that. Where before you play the the hand, you're going to say, I'm going to win three of these tricks. That's my prediction. And that's the goal here. So, anyway, uh, that was the summary rules. Let's do components. Let's do components. Let's do components. I need to change the order of my list because it makes more sense. So, components. So, this is a trick-taking game. We said that a couple times now. It, It means what you get is a bunch of playing cards. Yes, that is the only token available in the game is a bunch of playing cards. There's different types of cards that you'll be used that will be used over the course of the game. Um, there is the deck of playing cards that is a set of four suits, numbered one through eight for each of those four suits. You could have any stand-in deck of cards stand-in for these purposes. Just remove the nines and tens from each suit and all of the face cards for each suit. And then you just have it simple uh Mm -hmm. there is also the rulers the rulers are going to be your objectives of the course of the game they're going to be your bonus powers of the course of the game each game you'll have access to four of them at the start and then eight of them are going to be available based on what it is that you win there are going to be eight cards that are used to track the point value of the different rulers and the goal value for the different rulers and 
each of those cards is laid out at the start of the game. They go from zero till seven, and that is going to be listing both the goal as well as a star points that are used for how much you score for winning that particular ruler over. And then lastly, there is a card indicating this is the current ruler that you're talking about, what your current objective is. Um, speaking in terms of components, first, there's one thing I have got to mention, and it is the quality of the cards. I think that these are PVC cards, but they feel really, really nice. They feel much more durable than a regular card. They're much easier to shuffle than a regular card. Uh, they I would never want to sleeve them because they already feel very durable. Not that you could. They would have been in the box. That's true. Yes. The box is very small. That's true. Um, but unlike with the plasticky uh, playing cards for something like Too Many Bones, where I didn't like the printing on it, I felt like in Too Many Bones it was hard to read. It was darker. And I thought that might be due because it was printed on a pl- more plastic card. This plastic still prints with very high quality. The whites are really white. It's very easy and clear to read it. So the component themselves, the cards themselves, are really, really good. Mm-hmm. Yep. I, you know, it's exactly all the same points I wanted to talk about. The, the quality of the cards, the how basically there are standard playing cards with slight tweaks. Other than you have more than just uh, three three suits per deck. Per uh, three, I'm sorry, three phase cards per suit. You have, I think it brings six. Six. So that's quite a bit. The. Actually, I think it's eight. No, it is six. It it's is six? six. Okay. The art, yeah, the art is also really nice. It's adorable, is the way I would describe it. The 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 normal cards, the one through eight, are, they look like normal playing cards with, you know, the symbol. And if there's a four, there's four symbols of it. It looks just like a regular playing cards. All the suit cards, the, the face cards, I mean, have a different character on it, which is an animal from Northwood, a baron, the king, the queen, the jack, right? The the prince, the lady, those are the different titles they have. And they're all a distinct animal with a cute little quote under the animal's title. And it's just, just so pleasant to look at and play with. It really is. It, it makes me happy to play this game. Uh, the small little quote is more just a reference to what they are, which kind of ties into what their power is a little bit. Mm-hmm. Uh, each of the different rulers, until you get them, doesn't really have something special. Each of them provides a different type of power. Uh, and they're, they divide into four general types of powers amongst the four different suits. And so that sort of gives you kind of an idea for what the different powers are. But until you get them, they're just cute art. And fortunately, that art is really cute. Yeah, and the powers that you're going to get, we'll get more into it, but they're like things like drawing extra cards or maybe discarding cards or, or changing which really... You're trying to convince you. Or shift stuff around. They're, they're simple powers to manipulate the game. So so we talked about the components all but one. So, well, two, I guess. We didn't mention the rule book yet because we're going to get to the rule shortly. But there's also a, a little book called The Noisy Year, which is sort of a campaign book. It brings 12 different games you could play, one per month of the year. And your goal is to try and beat each of these games. It's just a challenge. And, and you can beat under the normal mode and the difficult mode. And it's just specific rulers that you're going to set up at the beginning of the play to use for that scenario. And it also changes some of the rules in sense of um, it, it changes some of the normal rules of the game. It's just an extra challenge mode that plays into the game. So it's going to add a lot of variety over over time. So that yeah, that's it for the commands. Oh, and the box is a cute little box. It's um yes, it's kind of weird. It's a telescoping box, right? So like your typical card game sort of box, but it's really tall and skinny. Right. I, I don't know what else is like this. Uh, 
cigar cigarette box maybe I've, not exactly no, no not really more like a matchbox yeah yeah ma- yeah it's, but only open at one end yeah it's it's different than normally but i like it it's tiny so you as you mentioned you can't fit sleeve cards so if you are the type of person who definitely wants to sleeve you you don't have an option here so Mm-mm. now if you yeah. get rid of the box or or don't sleeve yeah and it, I think it's part of a series, maybe. I don't know. Side Room, it's made by Side Room Games, and it's designed by Will Sue. They have a few other games in the same exact box uh, type. Uh, one of them is Grove. I think another one's Orchard. I don't remember. I think there's a third one in that series. I don't remember what the name of it is. And those are all also very popular games. Same box size, but they're different. I, I think Grove uses dice and square cards, for example. Anyway, so if you're familiar with those, you're familiar with what, the type of box I'm talking about. So that's it. Uh, that's all for the, the components, right? So let's talk about the rules. Okay. It, it's itty bitty rule book because it comes <sighs> a little tiny box. <laughs> yeah. There's really no way around that. I mean, there is a way around it. Well, yes. <laughs> it's not. Yeah. I it's guess. not impossible to come up with a way around it. No, it's not. But it is the box. It's the rules for the box. The, but fortunately, it's a very simple game to play, so it's it doesn't need a lot of rulebook. It's easy enough to understand. I found it well enough laid out. I, I did not have any trouble understanding how to play the game and how to set it up. Agreed. I do wish it was bigger font. Yes, I mean, I do wish that, but there's no realistic way to do it without making everything bigger or adding more pages. Mm-hmm. I mean, I don't think they could have added more pages. It is fine for the size that mm-hmm. it is. You you deal with it, I suppose. Yeah. Um, so oh, it's small, it's tiny, but it works to be able to convey the rules over. So I have no real, no real critiques about the, the rules yeah. as they are. Not, not really. Once you've played it a couple of times, you, you'll, you'll, you'll know the rules. You won't have to refer to it again. It's a very simple game. Yeah. And I originally thought that there was, I was going to have to keep referring to the rules regarding um, the score that you're looking for. The nope. ideal scores. <laughs> right. And then I saw actually speaking of components, it's on the flip side of one of those cards. Mm-hmm. So you, you could just play with that side or the other side. Yeah. All right. So so we talked about the components. The theme. The theme of this game, we haven't really discussed it yet, but the theme about this game is is parlay. This is a game about parlay and, and trying to convince the different rulers of Northwood to join your side. And basically make you the, the Charlemagne of Northwood, where you unite the kingdom under a single banner. But you're doing that by talking to the rulers. The talking is the f- is, is done in the form of playing these tricks back and forth and trying to win the right number of tricks to convince the ruler mm-hmm. that, that they should join your side. So <laughs> it's a it's an interesting theme, but yeah, it's pasted on. <laughs> I, I would it's, not say this game feels thematic. I mean, it's kind of there... It is. There's a couple of things that they do do to make it thematic, right? When when you defeat a ruler, the way it's set up, you slide that ruler's card down on top of the, the different thief card that it's on. Right. And it reveals the little phrase, for Northwood! So it looks like that ruler now said that. So so every time you you win a guide, I shout out, for Northwood! You must. And, and Yes. <laughs> so if, so that part does feel thematic. <laughs> but it's, you know, it's it's pretty abstract too. I think that one thing that helps with the theme is actually something you mentioned a moment ago about the little quote that's in reference to each of the people, because when you start having like something to hang your hat on for why they have the power that they have, and it makes sense for the character that the character has, 
it starts to help create a thematic idea for it that, hey, all of this is sort of you're, you're translating a game mechanic over into what it is that you're doing. And that starts helping to hang the hand on the theme. We can all certainly understand the idea of getting into the, getting everyone to the table to parlay about these things. And then once you have something to be able to hang your hat on the translation for it, I think the thematics goes through. It's not a simulation game. It doesn't have to be a one-to-one. It just has to sort of evoke the theme. And I think that it does evoke the theme sufficiently to be called thematic. <laughs> okay. Yeah, you know, I'll, I'll admit I did not realize the quote tied into their power at all. I had not seen that. Oh, if it, I, it does to me. I assume that is the intention. Now that I'm looking at it, oh yeah, it totally does. It completely makes sense. I just it never occurred to me. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Okay. So 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 there you go. I think Julius finds this game more thematic than I do, but <laughs> I think that's okay either way. So let's move on to the gameplay then. Okay. We've kind of already talked about the gameplay, right? It's a trick-taking game, and you're trying to win those eight thief cards. You kind of mentioned the thief cards. There's well, wait. Let me numbers. just let me just go over what trick-taking means. Oh, okay. Just in case just, no just in case. A trick-taking game means that you have a hand of cards, and then something, whether another player or in this case the deck at random, is going to play a card. If they play a card of the type of a suit that you have, you must follow it with the same suit. If they play in a suit that you don't have, you can choose to play any suit. Once everyone has played a card to the trick, you then determine who won. If the person played, if nobody played a trump card or the lead was a trump card, um, then whoever has the highest trump card wins. If no one played a trump card, then it's whoever has the highest card in the suit that was originally played wins, the leading suit. For this game, it follows those same general rules, except instead of having another player, you'll have your hand of cards, and then the deck will just spit out a card at random, shuffle it up and play a card, and then you have to deal with whatever random card got spit out as if it was being played by someone else Mm -hmm. in a more standard trick-taking game. When you start with your full hand of cards, you'll have the whole tableau between zero and seven in front of you of the different rulers' goals. Okay. Wait, let's step back a second first. So so you explain trick-taking games. It's worth pointing out to folks that aren't familiar with it. Not all trick-taking games follow those exact rules. There, there's many variations. Some don't have trump. Sometimes you don't have to follow, but you can follow. And, and all sorts of variations. But generally, the, the idea is Everybody's going to play one card, and whoever wins it based on the rules, which is generally the highest number wins, whoever plays the winning card gets all those cards, and they're now points that you've scored for the round. And then that person then leads, usually, with the next hand, with the next uh, card in that, in, well, yeah, with the next card in that, uh, or the next trick in that hand, and everybody now follows that card, trying to trying to beat it. So for this one, you're going to have a goal to complete a certain number of tricks by the time either your hand or the deck is empty. And the number of tricks you'll have, you'll select at the beginning of the round based on what's available from zero to seven. So you'll look at your hand and say, hey, I have a really strong hand or hey, I have a really weak hand. And you pick one of those. The ones on the outer edge are the hardest ones. They give you more points. That's four. The three and four in the middle are easiest, so they only give you one point if you complete those. But you'll get one shot at each of those. And if you succeed, you succeed. If you don't, then that's your one shot, and you do not get those points over the course of the game. And I don't think you mentioned it, maybe, but the the eight cards that you're laying out are the different thieves. 
and each one has a number of how many tricks you have to win to, to win that thief. The first one is zero, then going all the way up to seven. So they're in order, right? So Julia said the outside ones are the hardest. The zero, you're saying, I'm going to finish this round and not win a single trick. I'm going to lose everything. Where the seven is saying, I'm going to win every single trick. Both of those are pretty hard to accomplish. Therefore, they're worth more points. The ones in the middle where it's more balanced tend to be easier, and therefore they're less points. And we mentioned that you have a set of rulers. So you'll start the game with four rulers that you have access to them basically at any time. Yes, your allies. The allies. And then there's going to be the rulers that you're trying to convince to join the Northwood Alliance. If you manage to convince them, at the start of each round, you can choose to temporarily replace one of your allies with one of the rulers you previously convinced. But you only get access to them for that one round. So it's a one-and-done type thing. Uh, after that, they're removed and they're, the, the Northwood continues to ring without the ruler still being there. Um, but you only get access to them just once. And so there's a little bit of a trick about picking when you want to use a ruler's ability and when you think it's not worth it and you'd rather just use the same abilities you've been using all game. So yeah, complete mm -hmm. eight rounds of tricks. Uh, see how many points you have. If you get a lot, then you did well. If you have less, then you didn't. Yeah, your, your goal is to win exactly, exactly the number of tricks. And if you did it, hey, that ruler joined you. If you didn't get the exact number, you you lost that ruler, and the points that go with them, which which can be tricky. What what is interesting is when you're playing these tricks, the ruler plays a card first. Julia said, you know, you draw the card from the from the deck face up random, and then you play your response to them. So this is the conversation that we we're talking about. This is that parlay. The ruler is saying something by playing a four of paws, and you're responding with a six of paws, and then he says, oh, really? Well. In that case, how about seven of feather or whatever it is and so on. And, and that's that conversation that you're having. That's what the, the, where the theme of that game is, um, trying to convince Lulu to join you. That feels unthematic to me when I describe it, but, but it works really well. And It, it doesn't feel unthematic to me. <laughs> you'd think that it's going to be really random because you're just drawing a random card for that opponent. Uh, it actually isn't as random as you'd imagine for a couple of different reasons. First of all, is just a probability. It's a really small deck. There's only three. There's only four suits, and they only go up to eight. And you have eight of the cards, so you have a, a decent idea of what's still left in the deck. So that helps a lot with the randomness. Also, those allies that you have in front of you, you can use their abilities. Right, the way they work is before you play a trick or before the the ruler reveals their card, you can choose to use one one of the ally abilities and only one for that trick. You. I tap the card, and then I do the ability, whatever, whether it's draw a couple cards or swap some things around or discard or whatever, and then the ruler reveals their card, and then I play my card on top of it. That that right there, I think, is a really big, important part of the game is figuring out when to use that ability and and when not to use it. For example, if you have, if one of the rulers says, you know, tap it to, to draw two cards, you may not really want to use that if your goal is to win zero tricks, because the more cards you have, the higher the odds of winning a trick are, right? So, so you don't want to do that. Or, or if you're going for a higher number, you may want to do it sooner or later, depending on the other cards you have available. That really adds a lot of strategy to the game, I think. And that, for me, for me, is really the fun part of the game is figuring out when to use those rulers. I think for me, it's also looking at your starting hand and weighing, do I want an ally? Do I want to go high? Do I want to go low? What is it that I think? When do I want to do this? There's a lot of think that goes into the start of each round that I enjoy 
that decision-making right there. Because as you rightly note, the rest of it, it's kind of random. The deck can entirely mess you up. It can give you all the things that interrupt and force you to take tricks. And sort of like three quarters of the way through, <laughs> you're kind of on the rails. You don't really have a lot of control at that point over win or lose. But there's a lot of things that could have happened before you got to that stage and practically even after that stage that can affect your win or lose and put a lot of decision-making into what is otherwise just a random pull off the deck and see what happens. And, you know, Julius is saying you're going off the on the rails, right? And you're, you're just playing cards because the ruler played a, a paw. You have to follow the paw with the habit. So you don't have a lot of choices in what you're playing. You may pick which number, whether you go high or low, whether you want to win it or lose it. You may have to pick a specific one. You may not. But uh, even though you're not making a lot of choices during those parts, it doesn't feel like the game is playing itself or anything like that because it's so fast, right? Those, those tricks play really quickly when you have no choices. Draw a card for the ruler, put your card on top of it, and you're done. And if there's no thinking, you know, it just takes a moment. But when, but when at the beginning, when you're trying to decide which ruler to, to try and convince... That's interesting because you're looking at your hand and thinking about what cards you have and what abilities your allies have and the, the that ruler's color, you know, because that's going to, you know, if the ruler you're going for is, uh, again, the, and I keep mentioning the paw because that's the only one I remember off the top of my head. If you're going for a ruler that's a paw and you, and he has, and you need to win zero tricks against him and your whole card is low numbers but a lot of paws, well, you don't want to do that because you're going to lose. You're going to, as soon as you win a single trick with one of the paws in your hand, you've lost the that ruler's alliedness, or whatever it's called. So there's a lot of planning and thinking about that up front. And it's just, it's interesting and fun and, and deep and thinking. I really enjoy that about it. I, I think that this is a excellent game. This surprised me to play it and realize that a solo trick-taking game can work. I like trick-taking games <laughs> in general. I would not have thought that a trick-taking game would be something that would work. And it really, really does. Mm-hmm. So I mentioned that there, there are others, right? Uh, Karen Robinson on BGG, she's Karen SDR. She has a geek list with 30-something, 30 39 currently trick-taking games that can be played solo. Some of them bring solo rules. Some of them, they're official or unofficial variants. Some of them are, are free games. Others are not. We covered one a, a while back, a couple of years ago. Karen was on the show, and we talked about a game called Ek, E-C-K which is a solo trick-taking game. And it's a similar idea in that you have to win a certain number of tricks. You don't have to decide it up front, necessarily, if I remember right. So I, I will include a link to, to that geek list so you can check it out. There's a few other games on that list that I have that at some point I'd love to, <laughs> to cover, but I just haven't gotten around to it. Albert, you got to play more games. Oh, yeah, I do. <laughs> There's so many. My list has gotten so big, honestly. I, I think I have enough games that I... And they'll, they'll keep me busy for the next couple of years. <laughs> it's too too much of a backlog. But that, you know, I, I digress. That's not important. Yeah, this is this is a really neat game. We didn't... Did we talk about how the rulers get set up? You said... we. You mentioned we have four allies at the beginning. I didn't feel the need to get into the whole setup. Okay. Fair enough. You can have a number of rulers. Just set it up based on the rules. One thing is the, the introductory game, it tells you to use a specific set of them. Um, I guess those are easier. Once you're playing the standard game, you just shuffle all the all the different ally cards together, all the face cards, and each game you play, it's going to be a random set of 12. Four allies with some with controls. Eight rulers. Yeah, there are some controls, but each game is going to be different because those, those combinations of rulers really affect what you can do. Some feel really powerful, 
like you could have some really nice combinations in there. Some feel less so, but they're always either way. It leaves you with an interesting choice of how you want to handle it, whether whether you find it easy or difficult. Either way, I think you have to plan ahead. If you just go blindly and say, I'm not even going to think about it. I'm just going to pick this one randomly. You'll lose. <laughs> There's no way you would do well. Well, I mean, there is that. that is how that works is you set up at random. Yeah, no, but I'm saying like if if you didn't if you didn't look at your hand and think about what you want to do and strategize, oh. you you it's definitely a game that requires strategy. It's not luck. It's yes. not a luck game really. So yeah, I mean, it's a little tiny game. I don't know that we could say a whole lot more about it. We could try and go on and on and on. And I think, I think we basically covered it. Yeah, I think so. It's a <laughs> tiny game. Doesn't need to have too long of a review. Tiny game with a tiny episode. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Julius, want to sign us off here? For Northwood. <laughs> For Northwood. Thanks for listening. We love feedback, so we love hearing from you. You can reach me at Julius at OnePlayerPodcast.com or JLBird on BGG. And Albert can be reached at Albert at OnePlayerPodcast.com or Fractalude on BGG. Our website is OnePlayerPodcast.com with the number one, and we're also on Twitter at OnePlayerPodcast. The intro music is copyright Angus, can be found at Gemendo.com. The transition music is copyright by Dan Elduce Pancaldi, whose page is at DanPancaldi.com. The One Player Podcast is protected under a Creative Commons share-alike license. Thanks for listening.